0: Welcome back to the Creative Club Podcast. You're here with John Marsh and if you're a coach or creative business owner, this is your show to learn the key skills you need to attract dream clients, grow your business and build confidence. So before we jump into today's conversation, a quick public service announcement. If you're a coach or creative business owner, there are two new ways that we can help you. One of them is totally free. It is the 100K Propulsion Guide, which is a new download that's available. I'll pop the link into the show notes. In the Propulsion Guide, we cover eight key tenets that can really help you if you're in that earlier stage of your business to build towards that 100K mark. Some of it's strategic, some of it's mindset. You'll find it very helpful if you start to implement the stuff early. Secondly, the new book is out all in the definitive map for turning pro as a coach or creative business owner. The book is not free. It is an investment, but it is a small investment relative to the results you will see if you implement the work in your business. Okay. So this book is available at allinbooks.link. Again, a guidebook or a map for coaches and creative business owners who are earlier in the journey. You'll find it very useful if you put this stuff into practice. All right, so today on the show, we have a conversation with Amy Bo. Amy is the founder or creator behind Warrior School, which is an online community for women teaching them how to train, how to get strong how to look at training in a completely different way uh, that is transformational and changes their outlook on health, on fitness, on training, on strength. And of course, this crosses over into broader life as well. So Amy's work is truly revolutionary. She's a phenomenal athlete. She's an amazing teacher and a coach. Uh, I know this firsthand. So in the conversation, you'll hear a little bit of backstory. I met Amy Uh, around 2015 when we owned the gym down in Melbourne and then she created Warrior School a few years later when she moved over to Canada. So it's been a cool journey to see so far and in the conversation we actually get a little bit off track of the business stuff and talk a little bit about the training and how that early exposure, what that was like for me because I came at You know, I was doing a lot of just strength training, this kind of stuff, and then I saw Amy's work and it changed how I look at training as well. So to me, Amy is one of the few people who's influenced the way that I look at my own training and my own, you know, strength work and this kind of stuff. There's a handful of people and Amy is one of them. So very, very powerful work, Uh, an amazing coach, and it's really helping women powerfully. We're gonna talk all about that today. Uh, Let's jump into the show. This is the Creative Club Podcast. You're here with John Marsh. And today we're talking with Amy Bowe from Warrior School. We're good to go. Yeah. (laughs) So I thought, uh, obviously you're running Warrior School now, which we'll get into, because I want to talk about some of this training stuff, actually. I think that'd be really cool. But I thought, Uh, you know, if we could jump back in time and for the people listening, there's a couple of episodes with you on my other podcasts, which I'll link to as well. So there's a lot of backstory in those ones, but I thought still, could we go back a little bit to the kind of early training days for you when you got into strength training, when you sort of coming out of the nutrition space or, or still in that space. But maybe talk to us a little bit about your formative years before, I guess, before helping people with this stuff, like your setup, you know, before deciding to go, all right, I'm going to help people get strong and I'm going to help people train. And I'm going to help people do this sort of stuff. What was it like before that?
1: Yeah, I think when I decided that I really wanted to help people with this stuff and by stuff I mean uh like foundations and mobility and moving better and being stronger was really when I started to work with Jules like I did my exercise science degree didn't learn anything about building a proper foundation in that and then I Uh, moved to Melbourne. And then when I had my back stuff and started to work with Jules, I was also doing my master's in dietetics. So I actually wasn't practicing in the training space, but I was going through my own journey with Jules. And then I started to learn about the approach that he took. And I was really attracted to that approach and so that's what eventually led me back out of the dietetic space and into the training space uh because of my own experience with rebuilding my foundation so that was probably the point in time after that 12 months of rehabilitating my back and building my foundation i thought this is what i want to teach people mm-hmm. to do uh, I want to teach them to build a foundation and to have strong bodies. I want to teach people how to train properly because Mm. Jules was the first person that taught me how to do that.
0: Yeah. So you already were doing, was it dietetics or nutrition?
1: Yeah. So I did my undergrad degree in exercise science and nutrition and I knew that I already wanted to go into dietetics because of my sister and the eating disorder so that's why I moved to Melbourne because they had one of the best dietetics courses in Melbourne and so I spent a year after my undergrad and my master's just working in a, a gym in a corporate gym in PwC actually in like the center of Melbourne city yeah. And so I did that for a year. And then I went and did my master's for two years. And I stopped coaching for those two years. Yeah. Uh, and then I started to to coach again. But out of a traditional gym setting, I actually went to start to coach at a CrossFit gym where Jules was working because they did things differently. Again, mm. it was just a way of training that I was just never exposed to. And look, I've been in gyms my for as long as I can remember. You know, I remember being 14 years old and going to like the local gym in the rec center and doing strength training, but No one taught me to train in the way that I do now until, yeah, I think it was like 2014.
0: Mm. So you're already oriented to kind of help people, but then you found this new way. You're like, okay, what I knew was, you know, had a certain amount of value. This new stuff, what I'm seeing is way more powerful. I'm going to double down on this. Still and just reorient the same mission to help people, but it was just with more kind of awareness, better understanding and a different approach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess like as practicing as a dietitian and I was working mostly in the eating disorder space and I really didn't enjoy it. It was not a, not a passion of mine. I thought it was going to be because of my personal story for my sister, but it was, you know, even my master's, you know, my master's was clinical. It was unsatisfying and I didn't learn anything really about nutrition, <laughs> uh, what I know today. And so the same with training, you know, what I learned in a school setting uh, is, you know, nothing compared to like what I learned from my own experience and working mm. with uh, Jules. So I think I always knew that I wanted to help people, you uh, when I decided to go into dietetics. Cause yeah, like we say in the other podcasts, you know, I come from a performing arts background, so I was going to go into performing arts, but then decided I wanted to help people that had eating disorders or really struggled with their relationship with food. And that still fascinates me. Uh, and so that's when the, the helping people and the coaching thing kind of came about and mm. then Uh, I found myself just back in the training space. And I think it's because I had such an amazing experience myself uh, because I was taught by a teacher that really knew how to train. So I thought this is really cool.
0: Yeah. So for people listening, I've known Amy since I think 2015, 15 or 16, one of those two. And Amy, we had a, we owned the gym in Melbourne called Workshop, which is still running. And Amy was doing some training out of the space. And I'm not sure how, I don't remember how that connection happened, whether it was through Lizzie or Ruby, but one way or another, I came in to teach like a a 6am class or something. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was winter, but it always felt like winter in Melbourne because it was always dark. (laughs) And Amy's doing, um, what are called snatch grip deficit deadlifts with the stiff leg, stiff leg. So basically standing on a box and then you grab the bar really wide. So you're grabbing it sort of out near the plates and then you keep your knees locked and you fold at the hip and she's on a box because the bar drops. She's so flexible. The bar's dropping below, like below where the ground would be right and so i'm obviously i'm teaching this class and this movement over to the sides like you know in in my view extreme way beyond what i could do and i was like oh okay i had to you know sort of take take notice and then i think it was like i don't know a couple of weeks before i mustered up the courage i'm like all right what what's this movement stuff what do you what have you got like can you take me through some stuff i think i may have done my back at the time as well, happened sometime around that period. But Amy really introduced me to uh, kind of the body weight strength stuff. And it was to this day, it's, it's obviously a big part of what I do for training. So that's sort of the backstory. My question is with your approach being so different, and even now, like you talk about building the foundation, which I want to talk about too. It was so different to what people were doing. Now there's, there's a lot of people have kind of caught up a lot of the culture sort of talking in similar ways, which is cool into osteophysio, chiro, other areas as well. And which is really awesome. Mm. Um, Did you find it difficult at the beginning or any part through that journey where you're going against what, a lot of people were doing. Um, you know, I'm thinking as a coach, as a trainer, you got clients coming in or even friends or other coaches, like you would have seen us at the gym, like these gym owners, doing something which is obviously in your perspective or your worldview wrong or different or not as good, right? Like talk to <laughs> me a little bit about that. Cause you know, if you're zagging on something, it's hard for people when you you're not in line with what everybody's doing and I, i'm just interested what that was like
1: yeah that's a great it's a really great question and you know when i found jules there was a whole group of us you know there was jules and his partner and then uh you know oscar and nikki and all like amy there was a bunch of coaches uh Actually, and we used to train together. We used to call it Bum Club at 10 a.m. in the morning. And Jules used to kind of lead it, but we all trained together and it was against, but like we were training the same, if that makes sense. You know, yes, we're going against like the fitness culture and what people were doing in normal gyms, but we found this like community and we created our own culture. Uh, together and so it didn't feel i guess wrong or weird because i found my people essentially uh these people that you know they cared so much about how they actually lived they lived to move and to train and so movement and training was uh the key part of their life and when i was healing my back it became the focus of my life like i structured my whole life around training. So I used to train a lot. We trained a lot together. We explored together and we did all this really weird stuff, uh, but it didn't feel weird together. And then, yeah, I guess, you know, I, we didn't spend a lot of time in other gyms really. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, seeing, I guess the way other people did things was, yeah, wrong. Or just behind, you know, look, I look at the culture now today and I look at, you know, some of the stuff like knees over toes guys doing. And, and like we were doing that like seven oh, yeah. eight was it- years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, it was, it was, a, it's been around for a really long time. I think I was just so lucky to be taught by a coach that was like ahead of the game. Like, he mm-hmm. was the most like, one of the most innovative, unconventional, you know, forward thinkers when it came to movement. And I was just grateful enough to learn from him. But I see, yeah, the culture has caught up, but it's caught up like 10 years later. And so, yeah, for the last 10 years, I've seen it unfolding slowly um, and saturating into like fitness culture. But Mm -hmm you know, yeah, we were doing it 10 years ago. So I guess to answer your question, no, it didn't feel weird because we were all in it together and we created our own culture. Uh, and the thing that I really loved was going into a space and getting to teach that methodology. So when you invited me into workshop, like that that's that's the work. That's amazing to, you know, for people to see actually how you can move and what you can do and then teach them that. So I was so lucky to come into workshop and teach mobility and Olympic lifting uh and yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just think you know, it's tough in you know, if you're coming up as a coach in whatever field to learn insights or to learn things that are different to what everyone's doing and then implement them. And, and I, I don't mind doing that. Like I like to kind of do that. Like when I saw what you were doing, I was like, okay, cool. Let's throw some of this into the classes. Let's roll with this for a while. See if we can make it work because I had experienced it and it worked really well. Um, but that's not always easy for everyone, and so I was just wondering if you had felt that friction, but it sounds like having the crew around you was enough to sort of have your own community and um, and sort of have a, have a sense of belonging with what you're doing as well, as well as learning through that, I suppose.
1: Okay, no, I love how you brought up the friction piece, and... It's come up a lot with the people that I've worked with, for sure. They Mm -hmm. felt a lot of friction uh, towards this like different way. Uh, It's a lot, if we can get into talking about a foundation, but it's a lot slower Uh, you know, we have to go back and build basics. And so people almost feel like they've regressed. Uh, It's very challenging, as you would know, like any type of mobility work, it's very humbling. And so from like a client perspective, so much resistance Mm. there um, around doing this, you know, training in this different way. Uh, And I think, you know, Yes, they could see what I could do. And that definitely helps. You know, you have a coach telling you to do something. And then if you see what they can do, you're like, okay, I'm probably going to listen because like, look what you could do with your body. Mm. Uh, But still internal resistance and friction there because it's so different from what they did before. Uh, It feels very different and it's very hard and the results don't come quickly.
0: Yeah. So for context, if you're not familiar with Amy's work, You know, this was, I remember very clearly, like I was doing a lot of strength work at the time. And with like a barbell, I was pretty strong. I could pick up a lot of weight and do a lot of stuff. And Amy would give me this exercise. I remember one, two in particular, one was called pissing dog, I think, which was like a mobility or peeing dog or something, uh, which is like a hip, hip strength mobility. One, another one was a seated good morning on a box, which basically, you sit on a low box and you take your knees out wide and then you don't have any weight and you put your fingers on your ears and you fold forward like a, like a curled up sort of ball and then you unfold at the hip so you come back up and you got no weight, but then she would block your lower back. So basically your hips could only extend a little bit and then you had to extend the rest of it with your spine. <laughs> and I've been picking up all this weight. I'm like, this is no problem. There's no barbells. There's nothing here. I'm just going to rip through this set and be done. And literally you're sweating with no weight, fighting against yourself. And that's how I describe it is like with a lot of your work, you realize you you put people in a position where you're fighting against yourself and there's no weight involved and nothing's moving. So instantly you're demoralized. And, you know, it's kind of a filter because if you can't get through that, if your ego is too locked, which mine would be at times, and I'd have to come back later, um, you don't get to progress, you're kind of out. And so you have this kind of this sort of barrier of friction. And then if you can get through that and sort of deload the ego a little bit, then you start to unlock all this new potential, right? This new sort of movement. But it's very humbling.
1: (laughs) It's very humbling. And, you know, when I went through it myself, I got my ass kicked. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember every week I went to my session with Jules and I was almost in tears because it was so hard but so humbling because I had always been strong and athletic. Yet here I was, he was demanding something out of my body and it was just like so hard to do and it was just your body and I think that's when I fell in love with using my body as a tool like I did gymnastic strength training growing up but I was young then and I think that experience was like yeah, my ego got hurt so many times. And there were so many tantrums and moments I had to walk away. And still, you know, if I do my practice, and I I get a new movement, and it's really hard and challenging, and I can't do it, my your ego gets hurt a little bit. And it's very humbling. But Mm -hmm. I think because I've had the past 10 years of practice of knowing that, you know, if I just show up and and do the work, and yes, I'll feel really humbled by it. But I'll get stronger from it.
0: Yeah. And then it's really that thing of that, that patience, like if you can stick with it, then you really get the results and it comes back to everything, right? Like we all say we want the result in something, but as Stephen Pressfield's great book reminds us, like you've got to do the work and, uh, you know, it's, we're in a culture where that's not always the message that gets sent. Like, you know, especially in the personal training world, which I'm very familiar with. And a lot of times, you know, you'll get a a new client will come in, especially when you're early. And this is like a lot of people who are just starting out the the client comes in and it's like, you want them to stay. You want to have a long relationship with them, and you obviously want to give positive feedback straight away so it can easily slip into like you know really great job and and constantly positive which is which is you know it's got a place for sure but um you know i remember growing up like trying to do stuff and i'd help my dad out with a job or something And sometimes he'd just be like, that's not good enough. And you know, (laughs) you got to fix, you missed this whole bit. Did you not see this? And that's what it was like starting to train with you a little bit more. And I've met others as well, but it's like, no, that's not, that's not quite what we, what we need to do. We need to try harder or we need to do it again. And a lot of people listening will be like, yeah, that's you know, that's what it's that's what it's like. But in reality, it's that's not that common. Um, because it's scary, because you feel like in a business sense that the client might not want to come back. Um I'm interested, like with all of that context and knowing how how that approach is sitting with people, what made you decide to create an online training community for women? And basically seed the idea of warrior school and go like, yeah, I can take this method of training, which is really hard. And people generally don't like it straight away. And it gives you amazing results over time, but I, I can actually build something here. You know, it's almost a, a swimming up current a little bit. What made you decide to dive into that and start doing the work on the business side?
1: Yeah, there's a couple I th- couple of key things, I think. uh. One, I wanted to create something bigger. You know, I had been coaching in a one-on-one capacity, uh, you know, in physical spaces for 11 years. Uh, Yeah, about 11 years. And, you know, I think as a coach, uh, especially in the fitness space and as a PT, you kind of reach this point of like what's next or, you know, how can I make something bigger or better or you know what do I want to do? Do I actually just want to be on the floor in a one-on-one capacity for the rest of my life? And so I just started to think about what does that look like for my future? What do I actually want to do uh, as a coach? And then the second key thing that uh kind of drive the birth of Warrior School was. You know, I want to be able to move between Vancouver and Australia. You know, I've been in Vancouver now for five years, but Australia, you know, it's home or, you know, wherever I wanted to go uh, that I wanted to be able to to have that freedom. You know, freedom is a really big personal value of mine. I don't like feeling stuck anywhere. Uh, And so creating this online business, that was one of the reasons is for this freedom piece And then uh, I think the third piece, well, I started to only work with women about five years ago. So I just work with women now and I wanted to create it because I just honestly don't believe that women are, we're all taught to train properly, but I just have seen so many women just not get results in their training, just not they can't build strong, capable bodies. Uh, You know, they've been doing the same training for four, five, six years, and they're in the exact same place as they were, you know, four or five, six years ago. Uh, And that's really frustrating and really overwhelming. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to create this school to teach women this way that you know, you can train and if you train this way and you spend years building a foundation that you'll get strong and Mm. you'll get results. Mm.
0: Um, There's two things I want to say. One is um, we, we keep saying like years and stuff. I do want to say when I first met you and I started to do, I had this back injury and it was funny. All right. I was like a gym owner and I was really strong. And yet some, and I could lift these weights, but sometimes I would sit down at the table. And when I got up from my chair, I could barely stand up. Like My back was that bad. It was super embarrassing. But anyway, you gave me three exercises, Jefferson curl, um, hanging and bridge. And I just did those three things for like a month and my back was fixed. So yeah, like the year thing, a hundred percent. Um, but I guess if you're listening, like the the stuff does also change. there were changes. there are changes quickly as well. I just wanted to say that uh, I was pretty blown away, so that was that was cool. The second thing is, um, what do you mean when you say strong? Because some people who may have not seen you, I'm sure most of them have or checked out the Instagram or whatever. They might think power lifting, or they might think like, just talk to me, what does strong mean to you? Or what does it mean to the women in your community in terms of their lives and, and what that opens up for them and what that actually looks like in your world?
1: Yeah. Great question. Uh, So for the women in my community, strong, what strong means to them, obviously it's, it can be very individual. Yeah. Someone can do something and they can feel strong. So it can be a feeling uh, whereas someone else could, you know, lift a a different weight and feel strong. But uh, when the women come in and, and they talk about being strong, like, I'll dig into that. Like, what does it mean to you? You know, what does it look like? What does it feel like? And really, if we like, I guess, boil it down, it's this beautiful balance between uh, like mobility, like having access and, and flexibility and feeling capable in their body. So whatever they're doing physically, they feel like they can do that. Uh, and so you know, not feeling restricted by it. Uh, yes, you know, they'll have some goals around doing particular things that make them feel strong, like movements or skills. But I think mostly it's, yeah, this beautiful balance of like, I want to be mobile and flexible. Uh, I want to feel confident when I go and do things like other activities or playing with my children, you um, yeah, I th- I think that would be it. That's yeah. like what strong would mean to them. Really, what I like the way I view it is that I'm physically strong, but st- but it also means that it changes like my posture and how I show up in the world. So like it changes, you know, like who I am in my work and my business. It gives me this confidence. Uh, it changes. And it helps me in my relationships. So I guess the physical strength comes out in like all of those other areas of my life. And I Mm. think, you know, that's what the women start to realize is that, yes, there's a physical practice and there's skills that, you know, might make them feel strong. But I think underneath it, it's just really feeling confident and sure in in themselves and their and their body and being able to trust it and and it shows up as like a physical strength.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, I I definitely would resonate with that as well from my own training. When I feel strong, for me uh, the and it might even be linked back to a hormonal thing. I don't know. Like it might actually be that cause the strength work is a driver for hormonal health. If you kind of take care of yourself as well, that then I feel more powerful or more confident or whatever. I don't know, but it's definitely a link. Like when you're training, when you're strong, when you're consistent, you get stuff done, you know, life uh, occurs to you as easier. There was a saying I saw the other day, the goal is to have, challenges be enjoyable. Mm. And it's like a massive shift. Like if it, if the concept of challenge is inherently not enjoyable, you need three alarm clocks to get out of bed. It's like, like every single thing is how can I avoid this thing? Whereas if challenge is enjoyable, which is kind of represented by picking up a weight or doing some of your strength work and mobility work, And if you can enjoy that and orient that way, it's like, okay, let's look at the business. Let's look at relationship, whatever. And it's kind of like a completely different outlook.
1: Yeah. I think like, you know, when you were talking before about being the gym owner and being able to move a lot of weight, like, you know, you would think that you were strong. Yeah. And people look at someone lifting a lot of weight and they'd say yeah like he's strong or she's strong but and that's one type of strength but to me there's so many layers in what strong actually means like strong means do i have access to the range like do i have the mobility there can i control it uh can i create tension you know can i move uh technically really well uh does it look you know, quality is a really big thing to me. Yeah, someone can do something and they might be moving a lot of weight, but I don't necessarily think that they're super strong because they're they're missing all these other qualities that are really important. I think to have this like holistic kind of strong body. So to me, it's, yeah, mobility, flexibility, control, tension, quality, uh, and then, you know, being strong with your own body again someone can move a lot of weight but can they actually do something with their own body i remember a time when i walked in to do a presentation to a room full of males on strength training and mobility and i could tell at the start that there was like a little bit of friction there around like you know what is she gonna yeah tell us or teach us about strength training Anyway, we were doing this push-up. I was teaching them about progressions of a push-up and then we got to the one-arm push-up. And I demonstrated like a one-arm push-up in many different uh, ranges. And then they went and tried it and none of them could do it. And, you know, I remember that moment and it's kind of cool to think about, you know, all of this stuff is like a concept. Yes, there's a skill that you could get that is like, yeah, okay, I can do a pull-up. I'm strong, but can we think about it as a concept of like, where can we take it? And we should be able to take it in all these different, Mm. uh, yeah, ways. And so, you know, I I guess that is an example of like, you know, someone can be strong in one way, but do they have access to the strength in a completely different way?
0: Mm. I remember when you started to show me the body weight stuff and we'll move on from this because this might get boring for people. <laughs> um, I'd love to talk about training. The body weight stuff, uh, a little bit of bodyweight stuff went a really long way in, I think, what you're talking about. So like starting to learn some basic stuff on my hands, on the rings, um, with different grips, different hand positions, some basic hand balancing, even if it was on a wall or whatever. But starting to see the the shoulder positioning and the wrists and stuff like that went a long way. When I then started to try different crawl things or whatever, and, and you know, and dive into these different stuff that wasn't um, was totally out of left field for me. Whereas before the body weight stuff, uh, there was no crossover. Like it was, it was way harder. Um, so I, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out that the, the body weight element of what you teach, some of that really gave a lot back in terms of, I remember even going back to New Zealand and I'd go a couple of times a year back then and go spearfishing when I was doing the Olympic lifting and body weight strength stuff combined, like spear like doing general life stuff, moving, chopping firewood, free diving, spearfishing, I just felt it's so easy. It was just like this. This is so easy to move around, load the gun, get in and out of the boat, carry wood. I was just like blown away what opened up from just some of that body weight, strength stuff, which was really cool. Mm. Um, I'd love to talk about the kind of the the things cause some people would come into your way of training and they'd get spat out the other side and it wouldn't be for them. And they might end up back at a gym or in a classes or something. And it's totally cool. What's the, what's the biggest shift for people, whether it's the clients or, or peers, like what's the biggest mindset or the biggest paradigm shift that you see happen? You said earlier, you know, slowing things down, Is it the pacing? Is it how we think about our progress? Like what do you see people struggle with? And then when they get it, like it opens up that sort of different way of training and different level of strength.
1: Yeah, that is a a really good question. Uh, One of the things I think that they struggle with is the the tempo of it the pace the the slowing down especially if they well they're not like that in their life but their training has never been like that um
0: you mean like from from like slowing down like we're talking from like spin class hit sort of style to slowing down or from normal strength work to slowing down the strength work like what do you mean
1: Oh, most of the women that I work with have come from like a hit style okay. background, like a CrossFit, an yes. F45, high and heart
0: rate, like high,
1: yeah, high moving fast. And then they also come from a very fast life. Like there's a lot going on in, in their world. And so when we start to train, there is such a slowness in that. Um, because when you're looking at rebuilding your foundation. And essentially starting from scratch and building the body from the ground up, there needs to be a slowness to that. Uh, and so that's one of the things they struggle with is that it's really slow. They, they all only train three days a week. The sessions are quite slow. The movement is very intentional. Uh, so <laughs> they really struggle with like the tempo of it. I think I have to say, you know, a hundred times a week slower you know the tempo says this and so um, that would be one thing and then I think they're they quite curious about learning how to approach it so one example I can give is a lot of people talk in timelines like how mm-hmm. long is it going to take uh, whether it's like to change a body composition or to achieve a certain skill and one of the things that I teach them is we look at it in standards and qualities so if you want to achieve a skill we don't talk about it in x amount of time we talk Mm. about it in standards and qualities so what i mean by that is you know, if you want to get a a pull-up or a chin-up, like I can't tell you it's going to take you exactly six months, but I can tell you that you need to be able to hang on a bar for 60 seconds. I can tell you that you need to be able to do ring rows. Like I can tell you these standards and qualities that we need to achieve in order to get where we want to go. And I think they really love that. They love how it's explained. I remember someone said the other day, she's like, Are you telling me that I've been doing a hand plank wrong for like 15 years? Now, a hand plank is just, you know, you're on your hands in this plank. But the way that we set set it up, the way that we cue the pelvis, the way that we, you know, the standard that i ask for they have never experienced anything like that so they're very attracted to it but then on the flip side they get a little frustrated because this stuff takes time uh to build and and that you know that's a it's a little frustrating for sure
0: Mm. it's like in um it's like in business and the marketing stuff we talk about outcome independence like you know, you might have a, a goal of some sort, but the way to think about your journey to the goal is having an outcome-independent mindset. So, for example, if I'm doing marketing today, I can't be hung up on what the outcome is of that piece of marketing. Like, I need to move forward anyway. And in training, it's like, well, if I show up and the coach, Amy says, I didn't do this right or something, that outcome doesn't, it can't stop me from the next thing. So you're you're shrinking the focal point right down to the practice of, for lack of a better term, like the practice of what you're doing in the moment versus how we typically think of like, you know, the outcome in eight weeks, lose X kilos or the outcome in 12 weeks or whatever, lose X kilos or gain whatever X movement.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's a pretty cool way to look at things. You know, if we think about even our business and our training, like these are, this is for like life. Yeah. But, you know, if we can look at it, yeah, as outcome independent or, you know, as standards and qualities, that uh, well the thing that I think is that the women just really they fall in love with the process so before they wouldn't they didn't really love the process yeah it wasn't super enjoyable but a lot of women that I work with after some resistance at the start you know they do fall in love with it they really love that they couldn't hang for five seconds with their feet assisted on a bar, and now they can do a 60-second unassisted hang. Mm. And so that's really cool. And they like to see, basically, I think they're just so stoked because they're getting they're getting progress. They're actually getting results. And so this is what I feel like is missing a lot from the training space is that we're not taught this. You know, if we were actually taught these standards and qualities and steps, this process and method, mm. you know, we can get where we, we want to go.
0: Here's a question that may be a little bit polarizing. Do you think that the way that we're typically taught to look at exercise uh you know say we come into it later in life. Do you think that provides any benefit? Like do you think that that's helpful at all if we don't have this process slowing down way of seeing it but if we come at it you know, typical fitness class or just, you know, come at something like, it's it's very common, like uh, even in whatever space, it could be a movement culture, it could be whatever. It's like, it's quite fast and it's quite, um, it's quite energy. uh, What's the word? Intensive, right? Like, it takes a lot of, like, it's a lot, it's a lot of stress on a lot of people. Do you think that the typical fitness thing or that the normal way of looking at even strength training or whatever adds benefit to people or do you see it as harmful or do you see it as neutral? I don't know. Could you speak to that at all based on what you've seen with all of the women relative to how you teach it?
1: Yeah. uh, I'd probably say it's harmful. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things well I I think about this quite a lot that I spent so much of my like 20s building my foundation you know building my physical foundation building my nervous system foundation building my nutrition foundation uh and I'm now in this space you know where I'm like my big project is my business you know I'm I I want to grow this beautiful big business but I'm so grateful that I have those foundations because I know that I could just I can just keep building and keep growing and keep pushing because I did the work. So a little bit makes me sad that, you know, I kind of want to take all these women and, you know, make it a bit mandatory that like in their 20s, you know, for a good solid 10 years, they have to work on their foundations and then they can come in and like, you know build their career and their family (laughs) and everything because i'm getting them you know 10 years deep into or even 20 30 you know most of the women that i work with are in their 40s and 50s that just haven't had a, a a practice that works with their body or a good foundation for that long and so coming at it at that you know at an older age it's it can be harder there's a lot of other factors um
0: or we just so, change expectations, right?
1: Or we change, yes. And I have this conversation a lot. It's like we have the expectation, we have the reality, and we have this gap between our expectation and our reality. And mm. we can we can do two things. We can change our reality, and that can be hard to do, you know, if we have set up our life this certain way that to actually change our reality, you know, Yes, of course, it's possible, but it's really hard. Or we can readjust our expectation and we can slowly like close the gap. So a lot of the work I do is in that space is like, okay, this is like your expectation. This is your reality. We have to start working on some pieces in your reality that will support the expectation or the goal that you have. Um, But we also need to readjust your expectation because it's not realistic you won't get there mm. uh and you have to be okay with that you know it's not good or bad or no, right no. or wrong it's just yeah. it is what it is and the amount of times i have to have that conversation with women of like you know your reality will not support your expectation so you know and that is just that's the truth <laughs> um also yeah so i think Yeah. I think coming at it into like later in life and coming at it hard is just, I just wish we, we could get to it earlier, you know, Mm. and we could build these foundations. I think it would just set us up, um, for success in in later in our life.
0: Mm. But if we come at it later, uh, shift the expectations, start to build the foundation, we're going to be giving ourselves, our future selves still as big a gift as possible. Right. Like we, there's still a lot. I mean, I remember watching my dad start training kind of at, in his fifties, something like that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of late for a lot of guys, but he's 73 and way strong. Like it's amazing. So I guess there's still, even if the expectations shift, uh, if you are willing to go back to the foundations and, and get started, you can still see a lot of change. Huh?
1: Yeah, actually a lot of women uh come to me in their late 40s early 50s and they just they really want to set themselves up mm-hmm. for the rest of their life especially transitioning through perimenopause and menopause and they now really understand that they they just want to be strong and mobile. They don't really have a massive aesthetic goal anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they don't really have those high expectations. They just want a practice that feels good, that they love, that they enjoy, and that's going to support them as they get older. So, you know, I would say that's not harmful and coming at it, if you're okay, at a much slower pace um, yeah. and building your foundation and really enjoying that. Uh, It's a beautiful thing to do because for the next 30 years, you're going to have a mobile body, a strong body uh, uh, and a more solid foundation.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So final questions. Uh, What's it like running the business? So like what's been the shifts for you, you know, when you're a lone wolf sort of trainer out of someone else's gym or contracting as a coach in a, in a gym space, you've got a certain, you know, set of responsibilities and certain jobs when you're creating something out of thin air that doesn't exist yet. It's a different thing, right? Like you're kind of, you're, you're, you're becoming a visionary. You're sitting, you're sitting off on a new direction and you're sort of, you know, building this thing. What's the, what's been the learning for you or the shifts for you or, you some of the stuff that you've dealt with or overcome or learning in that process (laughs)
1: that's such a big question (laughs) um okay where do i where do i start with that um it's hard and challenging and fun and overwhelming and <laughs> there's there's so many emotions. Um, where am I going to start with that question, John? Okay, I think I'll start, you know, the other day I said to Carson that, like, I could just never go back and work for someone else ever again. <laughs> like, the freedom that I feel... You know, I love that I get to create my own life and I get to create my own business is one of the coolest things, I think. Um, And then in that, uh, I don't know, you might have to ask me a more specific question because there's just been so many like learnings and so many
0: emotions. (laughs) Mm. Uh, maybe, maybe speak to it, like in terms of, you know, warrior school now. And for a lot of people looking at it, they see this thing that exists and it's like, it's like this moment in time, but they, they don't see when there's three or four women in there and, you know, the, 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 the branding's just getting started. Um, from that point where it didn't it wasn't really crystallized in reality it was just an idea like how did you keep going how did you forge forward like what was maybe some of that work ethic or what was some of the stuff you learned around that you know sometimes i'll call it a mission driven approach but uh that could be very hard for people especially if they're listening and they've got this idea i want to have especially now like a lot of people going online i want to have a coaching program i want to Build a community, or I want to do this offer. It doesn't exist yet. I do a post on Facebook or something, and it doesn't get the response that I expected. What do I do? Like, how do I how do I create that that forward leaning thing, you know, and keep going? and And what did you sort of learn, and how did you push through that to create something that's actually tangible and that exists now?
1: Okay, great question. Uh- So like the birth of it and the process. Yeah. Uh, So two years ago, I think, uh, I was still working at Lululemon and I think I was only working with four women or five women. And so from two years ago till now, uh, I now have 35 women in warrior school uh so that's been two years in, in the making so what was that like uh it was it's been hard I think you know I've always had the like I'll just do anything I'll try anything I remember you know at the start of those two years ago even before that like I ran master classes and I might have only had one or two people show up and then I ran more and I just, you just have to keep going. And I think for the last two years, especially, you just, just keep going. I've listened, I've taken responsibility for like what's not worked, um, taken on the feedback, and I've just made it better. I always just think like, how can I make it better? And how can I just keep moving forward? And so uh I learned, you know, after I got those four or five women, and then it grew a little bit and you just pause. I just paused and I thought, how can I make their journey better? And so I remember at the end of last year, I did a lot of work for about three or four months on their whole experience from starting inside Warrior School and what does that look like? And so I had to step back and I did a lot of behind the scenes work on just like um, their journey in the school. And then uh, now it's at this place where I feel really good about it. And I'm in like this really cool build phase of, you know, I want to invite like women into it. And I've learned so much over the last two years about the structure and what works and what doesn't work. And the only way that I got there was just through trying it, Mm -hmm. Uh, just trying and, and seeing what resonated and what worked and, and what didn't and I'm sure you know you can speak to this that sometimes you do something and you think it will go really well and it just it doesn't uh and then you just have to keep going you know you can't yeah sure there's times where you know you get a little bit of like of a hangover feeling and you're just like like what's the point and this is hard but It's coming back to that mission thing, I think, that you talk about, John, is that I'm on a mission. Like, I'm super clear about that mission. And so every day uh, when I wake up, I just, I'm very clear. And so the choices that I make are just in alignment with that. Uh, And the women really teach me, you know, they their experience, uh, every event that we hold, their feedback, our check-in calls that we do every month. Uh, they're, you know, they're my teachers. Um, and I, yeah, I just try and make their experience uh, better from, from what I learn. Uh, what's been really challenging for me, I would say, Well, I'm lucky from like the, like I have support. So I have Carson to lead me a little bit from like the technical side and the financial side. Like that's not my strong, my strong point. I remember we had a great conversation uh, last year around, you know, if, if like finances, for example, if that's not like not your strong, um, part of the business like get Carson to lead you in that and so he actually leads me in the finances like he deals with all the finances and I don't do that he does my podcast editing and I don't do that it's really hard to do it all on your own Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I do like I do most of it you know I do my sales my marketing uh, you know, I do everything inside Warrior School. I create all my own content. I write all my own emails. But over the last six months, I've pulled in Carson to lead me in certain areas and, and help me with aspects of of the business. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to add there's a couple things that people probably don't know that I've seen you do. One, I think, really powerful is so there's there's no barrier to entry to do an online business and you can set up a website you can create this thing and call yourself a coach and do this stuff and that's a problem that actually is a huge hurdle because it makes you think that it's going to be easy and there's no risk but the problem is when we take risk we're actually opening ourselves up for reward and the two ways that I've seen you take risk one is emotional with connecting with people in your industry. So rather than going, look, like, you know, I don't like what they're doing or blah, 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 you've reached out and you've built, you know, a, a great podcast and had a lot of industry leaders on it. And then that's reciprocated back. Obviously, audience grows. And now people, a lot of people listening will see you as like, you know, this kind of figure and the person who's leading in this space and building this great thing. But I remember when that wasn't the case and the difference between there and now is the emotional risk of building those connections because they weren't going to reach down and give you a hand. You showed up and you were like, I've got something to bring to the conversation here. And I think that that's one great way that people can, if you've got an online business coaching or creative It's like, how can I use emotional risks to reach out to the community and support them and create conversations? And then the other one was um, when you came to Australia and Warrior School was very early, uh, but you did a couple of workshops at gyms. And that resonated with me because I remember going over to WA and doing a workshop uh, a few years ago. And I think I... I think i made 50 dollars after the whole trip and you know when you look at those workshops you came from canada to australia and i remember doing the mass i'm like "Mm, if you can i think we talked about this it's like if you can kind of break even like you got to do it um and people look at that they're like i don't want to do that like i don't want to fly for two days and you know speak to eight people and then 20 people like and break even. But then you've got the relationships, then you've got some photos and some media and some social proof from those things. And then you've got the learning and the feedback. And anyway, I think that that, those things that don't scale, that don't make sense, that require you to step, like go into a different country or go do these things, they're the thing that cement the mission in the mind. And they give you it's the foundation, right? That we want to jump straight to an Instagram post that builds the business, but it's like the risk was in coming to a different country and setting up workshops. Is there anything you like, does that resonate with you at all or is that just kind of me riffing on that?
1: No, yeah, like the first one, like the collaboration piece of, uh, yeah, like being in the community and collaborating at, well, my podcast is, you know, it's, and I know you're a big advocate of everyone, at least doing like a, a season of a podcast, but that was, you know, it's such a beautiful medium to have people on and to connect with them. And, you know, I'm very good friends with a lot of people that are you know, that have huge followings in like the metabolic and the training space. Uh, And we have great relationships. You know, we have private chats that, you know, we we talk, you know, multiple times a week and just slowly over time. Yes, emotional risk. Yeah, to ask some of these people, actually just ask someone that is really, you know, I think two years ago i would have never sent the email to ask her to come on the podcast but i did and she said yes and she's gonna come on and you know, that was huge emotional risk because, you know, you could get a no. And I did actually. I asked her last year and I did get a no, but I just tried again. And I came back. I reframed it. Maybe I learned from that experience. Did the email a little bit differently, approached it a bit differently, was in relationship with her a little bit more in between that time. And then she said yes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're going to get so many no's. You're going to get no one maybe sign up for for the thing. But you, you, yeah. You just have to keep going, or you have to make relationships. Um, but those have to be really organic. And I think that's one key thing: is that I never entered into these collaborations expecting something back in return. Yeah, it was just purely to, like this is, I'm so interested in what you're doing, you know, let's like talk about it or let's, you know, come and have a conversation on a podcast, but I don't expect anything back from you. I don't expect you to pull me up, you know, (laughs) and raise my following or anything. Yes, it might happen as a byproduct for sure. You spend time with people that, you know, are famous, I guess you could say, (laughs) you might get pulled up, but that can't be the intention. Um, And then the second one, yeah, the piece that you're talking about, the workshops, uh, you know, I can share something that's right now that I'm going through experience wise. So, uh, we, uh, John and I have been talking about doing like a workshop or a challenge last year. I was quite resistant to it, but then we're like, okay, let's, you know, let's make it me and make it mine and really believe in it. And so we created this, uh, created this five day, uh, training workshop at the moment. Uh, I think I have one person signed up for it. Now that for me, because I believe in it and like I've just, I've spent the last week in not a great place with it and feeling a lo- lot of like, just like, you know, <laughs> sadness and anger and all the emotions. But in saying that, what I also have to hi- like highlight is that I've had six new women come in and join warrior school they Mm. actually didn't want to just do the five days they wanted to come into the school so the work that I have been doing to market that five-day body weight putting the offers out yeah putting the offers out the CTAs I had about five discovery calls last week and yes, I gave them the option. I said, there's two ways you can work with me right now, but they all chose Warrior School. They didn't choose the five-day. Um, and look, there's so many things that I could probably learn about how I went about the five-day, you know, the marketing that I'm doing, my like the way I'm talking about it, but... You won't learn that unless you do it, you know? And I just want to highlight that, that I've been doing this for 10, 13 years. I believe in what I do. I created a five-day training workshop, but yet there's like one person signed up, but I mm. got six women into warrior school. So, but you have to keep going. You can't just yeah, yeah. stop there. So, yeah.
0: There's a saying I like, which is uh, you either, what is it? You either, you either succeed or you learn. Like there's no, there's no, there's no real failure. I mean, especially today. I mean, with online marketing and these kinds of things, like your downside risk on this stuff is really pretty small. You're not taking out two hundred thousand dollars lease. You're not buying half a million dollars of stock and some product that you're going to try to ship. Mm-hmm. You either put the thing out or you have the sales call. You do the marketing and you either win. And there's either a great result and good feedback, or you learn, and it's like, all right, cool, let's pivot or tweak messaging or run the ad differently or whatever it is. Um, easy said and done, right? Like it's <laughs> in the moment, like you're sweating, like what's going, like we all face it. But I think that that if you can come back to that, like then it reframes to the next question of, all right, what can I focus on then? If I'm learning, what can I? What can I do? And um, then we can move forward. Anything else you want to add? I know we're pretty much there on time. Uh, Is there anything upcoming for warrior school? This will go out in probably a week or two. Is there anything else that you're up to or that you could point people to that you're doing right now? Uh,
1: What's coming up in warrior school? Well, I'm growing her, which is really exciting. Uh, So I have, yeah, six new women starting. I'm doing a lot of cool work inside that. Again, just learning from last year, what worked, what didn't work, what am I going to make better? And so I'm doing a lot of work inside it, which is really cool. Um, But anything else? No, I I don't think so. You know, I just honestly believe you just, you have to keep going. You just have to keep going in business, trading, life. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Have to do the work.
1: Yeah. Do the work. Keep going. Uh, and, you know, also reach out. You know, I had someone from Creator Club just contacted me yesterday. She wants to create an online um, service. And so... She just said, "Amy, can I ask you some questions? You know, I oh, think good. it's really." I tell, yeah. pe-
0: I tell, I've told a few people to text you, so I'm glad. I'm glad that's happened.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important that those that are, you know, maybe five years ahead, are generous with their with their time and their knowledge to help, you know, help people and that have questions. So I'm Mm. super happy to do that because I know how much like working with you and Ruby and for the last five years has helped me grow my business. And so Mm. I think it's really important that we give those people time um, and be generous in our relationships. And Mm. yeah. I think it
0: opens up the flow the other way too. Um, I always think about that. Anything you shut down for someone else, you shut down for yourself, but if you open for something else, it opens for you subconsciously. So if you talk to somebody who's getting started and strength training or whatever, then you reach out to someone above cause you expect them almost to reciprocate what you did. It gives off a different transmission and then it ends up circling around. I guess you could call it karma or something, but I think it's more of a, just kind of a subconscious pattern um, that I've found anyway. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, Anything else? I'll put your links and that kind of stuff, but anything else you want to add?
1: No, that's it, John. Good chat.
0: All right. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Thank you. And we'll keep an eye out. And if you're listening, uh, head over and give Amy a follow on Instagram. Sign up for your email list. Can they do that?
1: Oh, yeah. That's what I just started. Yes. Last week. Yeah. Okay. So yes, they can.
0: (laughs) Yep. 2022 project
1: that is my 2022 project. Do they get an opt-in
0: that you can tell them about? Is there a gift or something on the email list?
1: Yeah. So the way that my list was created was from the three-part video series on training with your cycle. So that is the list that I have. Um, that's the opt-in. Uh, and so, yes, there is an opt-in that is on my, um on my instagram one of my other big projects is to redo my website and branding so that is okay. in the process yeah
0: so go to amy's instagram if you are a woman and you're training download her three part series on training with your cycle and you'll get some insights as to her methods and then you'll also get the emails
1: thank you john
0: thank you see you next time
1: okay bye
0: that's it for this episode of the creative club podcast thank you so much for tuning in if you found this episode useful in any way please feel free to share it along on your instagram on your facebook wherever you hang out and make sure to tag us that's a huge help thanks again and we'll see you on the next episode